This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 404, brought to you by iFanboy listeners, uh, not unlike yourselves. You hit me once, I hit you back, you gave a kick, I gave a slap, you smashed a plate over my head, then I said fire to our Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 404, error. My name is Paul Montgomery. That's that a funny joke. Uh, my name is Paul Montgomery, and joining me are Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And this week's special guest host, Josh Flanagan. This will be your blue screen episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are iFanboy, and we like comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the best book that they read. We call that the Pick of the Week, and we talk about it on this here podcast along with various other books of the week and various other topics of interest and, and all kinds of nonsense. You know the drill. Before we get to the show, a word of caution, this is a review show, and we will be talking about the things that happened in this week's books. So if you're worried about spoilers, pause, collect yourselves, come back, we'll be ready for you. This week, Joshua had the pick. What'd you like? I read several books, um, and here, here are my disclaimers uh, before we get going. Uh, Villains Month is mostly stupid. Yeah, I'm very angry about the lack of creator uh, credit on the cover. All, from a from a from a industry standpoint and from a uh, practicality standpoint. Yeah, it's hard to know who you're, who you're getting into. I don't. I don't want to have to pick up every damn book. Right. So I, then I, I feel more like I'm missing stuff. Anyway, I went sometimes with sometimes uh, the credits are in the front, sometimes the, the credits are in the back. Oh, and you're like, what is they're, this? They're mostly in the back. Also, I hate the number that I'm about to say. <laughs> actually, I'll just say Lex Luthor number one is Action Comics and twenty three point three. Josh, Jesus, what is that? That's just terrible. But that's like twenty three point one is bad enough. But I yeah. wish they had gone with fractions instead. Like let let Marvel have the decimal point and yeah, like and the, DC could like go with like Action Comics twenty three and three quarters. They could have done something cool with that on the Mad Hatter one. I mean, come on. Do I got to tell you everything? They should do that, by the way. Uh, this is basically uh, a, a day in the life of Lex Luthor story. Um, and I liked it um, simply because it was, it was very comfort foody in the superhero sense. Uh, written by Charles Soule with pencils by Raymond Bermudez. To be honest, the art was fine. It does you know? It was, DC I mean, it was it was good. I, I I found nothing wrong with the art. I thought it did its job. It told the story. But yeah, really, the thing. And Paul, I don't know if you want to back me up on this, but when you saw mm. what Josh's pick was, you did like the dog head tilt. <laughs> what? But this was this was really good. And you know, yeah. problems with the, the whole thing aside, like Josh mentioned, we talked about it in the last two weeks. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But this day in life story was really fun. And I think Lex Luthor's that kind of character where oh yeah. yeah. As a writer, you can really dig your, you know, it's red meat. You can dig your teeth into that. And, you know, there's been lots of great Lex Luthor one shots over the years. John Byrne did a very famous one where he, you know, he fucked up that waitress at, the, at a diner in a small town. And Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you can do those really great, isn't this man awful stories. Uh, and, and you know, fun. the thing is, it, it harkened me back to, uh, to the Paul Cornell Action Comic Series from, mm-hmm. from not too long ago. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and it felt like, like that kind of thing. And, you're right. I think it's just Lex Luthor really lends himself to a one shot. And the thing about this, this whole Villains Month that, that's good is that you know we don't get single issue stories all that often, right. and I really like them. As There's a, been a as couple a, of good ones we're going to talk about, a, uh, yes. one or two of them on the show. Yeah, um, I really like that as a format for comics. I, I wish it was done more often because it really 
it puts you in a box that you can just live in and you don't have to worry about trying to sell them on the next thing or whatever. You just tell your, your one day story. And this all, you know, the other thing is I've, I felt that Lex Luthor is one of those characters who can fluctuate between evil and cold, but not necessarily evil. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind the inconsistency between writers on that. I like it's like Batman, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. But I this this is like a, a he's a jerk at the very least. You know, he's a jerk in this and he's he's he's, yeah, he's pretty evil. He murdered I think, he I murdered think there's a continuum, a Lex Luthor continuum if you look at all the different media he's been in. Mm-hmm. It's it's on one end you have the guy who wants to do well and it's about feeding his ego and mm-hmm. his hatred for Superman and then the other the other side of the continuum is cold-blooded murderer, megalomaniac, you know. And it's dictator, which is I think it works on all those spectrums. Yeah. And for me, it's really fun to read different takes on that because they're the same character, but they're they're not. There's different nuances, and everybody does it kind of. They do their own little take on it. You know, the last Lex Luthor story I read was um, Birthright, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's a well, the, relative... one you, the last one you read in terms of literal time, not like yes. you haven't read one in, in ten years. No, the yeah. the last big Lex Luthor story I read was literally Birthright, which I had never read before. So that's a fairly sympathetic version of Lex, even though he's still a dink. Right. Um, and then this one, I just I was like, I there there's still something about a character who, who is ultimately comp- competent and competent. He's mm-hmm. confident. He's both of those things. He's a David Mamet character, but in a bad way, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, like there's really nothing. And then you know, there's the. I don't know what's good. If there's a larger thing, why Superman's not? Is that the thing with the villains? In the, in the villains month, it's that they're just uh, gone. The crime syndicate has shown up and claimed to have killed all the Justice League, and so they haven't been seen in a while. Well, whatever so the that are running rampant, around, right. running rampant. What whatever that reason is, it's interesting to remove Superman uh, from the context, and and it, that has nothing to do with it. You just well, what would I do if Superman wasn't here? And further, I, we're going to talk about a, a bunch of Charles Soule books, and I'm really being impressed by him as a guy who I know him by the way that's if anybody feels like nitpicking but it doesn't matter because I don't read some stuff he writes whatever I really like him as a guy that is doing a lot of different things I have three books on our list from him to talk about this week and I and and they're not similar to one another in any way and also in the current DC regime as it exists like he's getting interesting stuff through regularly I think that's unusual it almost makes me want to read his Red Lantern book. Not enough. I mean, like, I've stayed at his house, and I won't read his Red Lantern's book. So what I'm saying is, like, it almost – the stuff's good enough that it almost makes me want to do that. When you, you, when know, you stay at his house, you don't use his toothbrush. So that I think that's you – know, yeah. there's, a, there's a line you don't want to cross. Yeah, that, that's totally true. And it was just the once, and it was a floor. So, I mean, I don't know him that much. This was really strong. I read it after you, you told us yeah. what the pick was. I wasn't planning on reading Action Comics 23.3 Lex Luthor, number one. <laughs> but uh, I was glad I did. It was really fun. As you said, he's just, I'm, as I, literally, as I say this, in the background on my TV, Superman, the, the movie's on, and I see Gene Hackman. But um, it's a great story. And, and he, he, you're right. He does, get, he's getting interesting stuff through, which has been unusual. And yeah. it's really fun. And he has, he has a great take on uh, these characters. It's a smart I- take. I thought that like Lex came off as really smart and not just in the terms of like he predicted everything and it was luck, but there seemed to be reasoning behind it. So, a, like, he's got a plan. He's, thought, he, it, he's literally 15 steps right. to the threat of everybody. And, and the writer actually had to do that instead of cheating. Yeah. I thought, so that was really well thought out. I thought the choices that were made where you know, your comic book brain is totally um, 
wired to to think, oh, these astronauts will be safe. <laughs> they were they were not. And and then at the end, like there's just that one last we'll call it a kick in the teeth um, with the with the assistant and mm-hmm. like all of like every choice that was made was was a bold choice and a correct choice. Um, and I, I liked that. And I know that's like, oh, we're doing dark comics or whatever, but I don't care. It was really well executed. And, and it was it was just interesting. It was it was a fun uh, super villain. Comic. I, had, I had to laugh at the um, newscaster who was wearing the short sleeve plaid shirt. I mean, I realize that budgets are, <laughs> a sm- are a little smaller now in the media yeah. world, but I think the newscasters could probably wear a suit. I, I really liked the sub the the subplot of the guy trying to do the hostile takeover that was running through the whole thing. And the. At the very end, the shuttle landed on his house. <laughs> I was like, "Boy, that's just—that's raw." I, really, I, I was—I was super impressed with this issue, and it was fun. And and on a week where everything was kind of, nah, I was like, "You know what? This was the one that that surprised me the most." I like Lex Luthor. Like that's a that's a thing I've learned about myself. Like, you know, I don't want him all the time, like the Joker yeah. or whatever. A great but character. For a he's, a he's a great yeah, character. He's a great character. And uh, I've totally been in the mood for good Superman stuff since that movie. Yeah. Is. Is uh, Thunderbolts also Charles Soule? Yeah. Let's skip yes, over the one in the top of the script here and move okay. it down underneath the Swamp Thing and talk about Thunderbolts 15, which I didn't read, but let's, let's might as well talk about Charles. Let's have a Charles Soule block. Yeah, yeah, I thought I'd, you know, it could have gone either way. You break it up, you do it all at once. Um, this is an odd Thunderbolts. Are, are you reading this, Paul? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I mean, really, for me, the story on this, the story's fine. It's funny. These characters don't quite sound like I think of them. Right, but I don't care about that so much anymore. Um, but the thing that the thing that impressed me about this issue actually didn't have anything to do with Charles at all. Well, I mean, he was fine, but uh, I thought the artist was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very sort of abstract, cartoony style. I'm going back to the beginning to see the name Hefte Apollo. Who is the what, what's what's the team lineup? Who are the characters? It's uh, it's it's the all merchandising lineup right. of Red Hulk, Punisher, Venom, uh, Red Electra. Leader. Electra, Deadpool, and whoever Mercy Those are is. Those all ostensibly characters with red in their uniform. Well, not Punisher. Though. They no, no. They put them in though. Like like when Punisher rolls with these guys, he puts on the red skull. Right. Uh, and and you know like the the basic I don't like the basic conceit is they're all doing a thing for each other. So this is this is Punisher's task, and he's got to go take out. They're taking turns coming like being the lead on certain missions, and they're yeah. and they're doing sort of like personal like now that they have a group to back themselves up. They and, and they have the numbers. They're going after sort of the you know the ones that got away in terms of uh, scores and capers and things. Yeah. So like in this one, they're going after a, a like a mafia family that is secretly secretly behind everything that nobody can find anything about and knows about. And it's it's a little it's kind of goofy. Like it's totally lighthearted. You know, it's got Deadpool in it, and it actually fits to that kind of mold. So if you you know look at what's it's it's a lot funnier. Than, than some of them like you know like Swamp Thing or or uh, Action Comics was like by a great deal and it's a completely different tone. Uh, it's got one of them, it's got Deadpool riding on the subway and he just they're like <laughs> you're gonna you're like you're gonna walk around like that. He goes it's all right. Everybody thinks I'm Spider Man. Two out of ten times I gotta fight Hydro Man, but it's no big deal. <laughs> exactly. They cut to him sitting on the subway. A little girl comes up to him and is like, "Are you Spider Man?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, my my uh, web things don't work. I ran out of money." She goes back to her mom. She gets a ten dollar bill and hands it to him like. <laughs> It's just one of those like elevator shots, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. Ding. Hey, you know that kind of thing. And yeah. it was, it was, it was goofy and it was fun. I I really enjoyed it. And you know this this book has had Phil Noto, it's just since since Charles has taken over, it's had Phil Noto and then Steve Dillon, 
And this artist, I'll take over at either of them, at least for this story. Like it yeah, just it feels appropriate too. Yeah, it it feels right where and these it, characters and yeah. yeah. And like it's it's fun. it's just goofy. And I, I've I have so much more need of that in my life than I used to. And like before I would have read something like this and I'd be like, This doesn't sound like Electra at all, and I just don't care. Five years ago I never would have said you would have read a book starring Electra, Deadpool, Punisher. I Red Hulk and Red Hulk, right? Else Listen, is in it. I'm not gonna lie. At this point, this was one that I bought because I knew the guy, but I wouldn't have kept reading it, and I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't like it. And so. I, and, and it's important that it's like it's you know a million steps away from Jeff Parker's Thunderbolts. Yes, it's like it's, I, it's it's a totally different thing. And I wasn't I wasn't reading this particular run until Charles Soule came on. Um, but I, I love that it's, it's a completely different take. I think that that's really, really important, um, because I would just be thinking about what, you know, it would have been like with, with Jeff Parker still on, although he had a long, healthy run of it. Yeah, he did. You know, I, I so, don't feel like we were shortchanged on that one. No, at not at all. I didn't need to read the Daniel Way one at all. My, I think, I think literally my favorite thing about this is the exterior shot of the van, which is just like, like there's a shot of the, it's on page three or something like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, 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 side, yeah. And it's just super, like the Punisher's van is really squat. And they're all like, why do you have this van? He's like, I'm not going to take the subway. <laughs> so is it a comedy book? Uh, it kind of is. If, more very, than you would expect it to be? Yeah, yeah. Like this one was all pretty much gags. It wasn't action. And there's the, the sexual tension between Punisher and Elektra, which is an interesting yeah. pairing, I think. Yeah, sure. How long um, has Soul been on this book? Three or four issues, I think three. I think this is the third one. I might go might check it out. Um, so continuing the Charles Soulblock Swamp Thing 23.1. Read the full title, Paul. Arcane number one. There you go. Um, this was, this was amazing. I thought, I think this is the best thing to come out of, of uh, Forever Evil. Um, and it's got one of my favorite artists who is always a, a surprise, a pleasant surprise when he pops up, Jesus Says. He's great. Um, a little sketchy, is, a little scratchier style for this one, which I liked. Yeah, this is, uh, uh, a rabbit gets, uh, ripped in half. Um. <laughs> It's, this, is a, this is a terrifying issue. Now, you know, the whole Rot World thing, it got a bit abstract for me. And I kind of lost the plot on, you know, Swamp Thing and Animal Man. Um, I've read a few of the Charles Soule issues of Swamp Thing, um, but haven't been reading it steadily. This is a really great, this is another really great one shot. It's, it's a great character study for uh, Anton Arcane and his niece, it's Abby Arcane, right? Um, who's, who's the avatar of of the rot, and basically he's kind of got this Hannibal Lecter role where he's in his idea of hell. So he's part of in I guess like the parliament, and so he's so Vic every, Mackey at a desk job. Exactly, exactly. Um, he's he's basically um, in a world where nothing can rot. Everything is it's like eternal. It's it's yeah it's, it's it's Disneyland, and and he's just this creepy looking corpse with one dead eye and he's trying to tear be- apart rabbits and there's no- the nothing is decaying nothing dies in this world and as a former avatar of the rot um that's this is his version of hell and um she comes uh this this is like dark you know vision um kind of angelic kind of demonic comes in and um she wants to know about her her past she wants to know about her mother and the the woman that raised her, who might not necessarily be the same uh, person, uh, and she gives him sort of a taste of the rot because she's she's the only one capable of doing that here. And yeah, so it's it's sort of like this Silence of the Lambs kind of scenario, and uh, it ends on a really just super creepy note uh, where he gets sort of uh, an 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 eye into uh, into the real world. Uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really cool how. 
every time he reached out and got closer to touch her, he would literally like bulk up muscularly. Right. Like he's super dangerous and you, she can't really get near him, even though she's ostensibly more powerful. He's fe- she feeds off her. It's, it's, yeah. I think Soul's doing a really good job on Swamp Thing. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it when Scott Sutter was writing it, but I really think Soul's tone is really more what I was looking for in the book. Um, yeah. It's been really fun. This is one of the few times where the actual writer of the book has do it, done the Forever Evil one shot. Yeah, that's which, true. Which I think is important, and it fits. Like, I don't feel like I'm not reading this. I don't feel like it's diversion. Yeah, so like, it, feels like a, you know, it feels like it could be just a one-shot. It just goes back to part of the problem arcs. with this whole thing is you never know what you're going to get. And, right. Yeah. So it works as part of the story. It, it doesn't have really anything to do with, you know, the, 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 death, the, death, yeah, the death of the Justice League and everything going on in the real world. It's, he's just telling a Swamp Thing story and a showcase for, for Arcane, and it's, it's appropriately creepy. It's sort of like some of the Forever Evil titles are just like we're gonna. I'm gonna tell a badass story and like people like I'm, I'm gonna be shocking and like kill characters off. And like the, there's there's, these, there's a, a market of, for that. A bunch of like like third and fourth tier villains who have been offed in Forever Evil and just like decapitated and stuff and just some collateral damage. Whereas this, it's it's it doesn't feel forced. It just feels very appropriate to this character who luckily enough is very, very evil and very, very disturbing in his own right. So it just feels right. And, uh, the art is, is gorgeous. Some of the, I mean, Jesus says is always great, but this particular issue is just stunning and kind of haunting kind of sticks with you. I felt before we move on to Daredevil, I just really quickly mentioned, uh, the Batman one shot, which was the penguin written by Frank Thierry. And it was sort of a, okay. Similar to the action one in that it was like a day in life with a penguin as he did his bad penguin stuff. It was very good. So there's been some interesting stories. But Daredevil 31, Daredevil continues to fight the Sons of the Serpent, the uh, white supremacist state superhero group in, or supervillain super group in, in the Marvel Universe. And a couple of things. One, I like that Wade continues to play with the idea of what makes Daredevil's job hard, like the rain or in this case – People keep showing him things on tablets or pieces of paper that he can't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just he, he's constantly bringing those things up that I didn't used to think about. Like it's it's cool because you know I think a lot of writers in the past have taken the like once he's Daredevil they don't really deal with consider it. that yeah. yeah they just they just think well it's pretty much like he can see and he can't like he's got challenges that he that are real mm-hmm. and that he has to deal with and well, it's like the point where riot he's just, just too yeah. much going there's too much sensory input to figure out what's happening and, and i like that like and it's funny because at a certain point like i'm starting to think about it so like he took the cab and i thought I wonder what he paid that guy with and i was like well you can't use the touch screen right you can't do the, the, the swipe and you know then he's got to deal with his money but it's also it. not like entirely about that no it's not no it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't get in the it's way an aspect so, of the story right, right. It's just keeping it. It's a in nice mind. balance because yeah. the fact is, like, he's got a disability, and and that's it would be wasteful to not deal with that. But he's not also making. It's also it it, and it's also important that it's like it, he has this disability, but it's also you know, on the other side, he he has these augmented senses, and you. Uh, you know, you could be as a writer, you could be thinking about the character and what he's capable of, but you also have to be conscious of what other people think he's capable of. Right. Mm-hmm. Which so like when they were going through the halls and you and saw that sign and, you know, what level they're on. Do you have to so you have to be conscious of what other characters think he can do or mm-hmm. can't do. Whatever. Also, uh, you would think that Alex P. Keaton as an adult would just look like Michael J. Fox. 
No, he doesn't. Neither. Sally Draper. Sally Draper. She's not age well. <laughs> well, she's much older than Alex B. Keaton. If you're gonna put joke names, then shouldn't you do the entire thing as a joke? Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, do I not get the other ten of these? Right. Yeah. I was like, am I missing something? Or is like this part of the joke? Who, like, <laughs> I want to know if who edited this. Let's see. Okay, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask and find out if those were in the script or those were put in later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just because they're like right next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other ones are anyways. It made me laugh. It's a very street level, even though they're dealing with a big, powerful criminal organization, it's a quote-unquote street level book, Mm -hmm. and it's dealing with the city and real things in the city. One of the real things in the city is racial tension. I think it's it's a really interesting way that it sort of ties into, you know, news of the day, but in a way that isn't isn't ridiculous and it's doesn't not hitting really... it right on the head it's going from a yep. different angle it's the aftermath and all that stuff and how that works with media like he's just yeah. he's thinking about a lot of things this wasn't i'm not gonna like this was amazing issue it wasn't it was that really but good it's, one, though. yeah it's impressive and i, I just like it's still you know what it's 31 issues yeah. 30, this is a hell of a run at this point it really is and i don't know you know in this day and age it's 31 is a crazy run for any one writer especially uh-huh. and just to stay on the top of the game like that it's really impressive and I, I continue to to really enjoy the the Foggy story, uh, Foggy's cancer. And I like that they have an argument. And he's like, "That cancer is the only thing keeping you alive right now." Because <laughs> if you didn't have cancer, I'd just, you know I'd be you know beating the shit out of you for uh, bringing this woman into our offices and making it difficult for me. I think that's great. It's not. It's not. You know, there there's been some really touching moments with that storyline, but it's never maudlin. It's never overwrought. Yeah, um, and that's, and that's something that's something that a friend would say to another friend, and you, yeah. it's also not the kind of thing you tend to see in cancery stories. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, that, the idea that Foggy gives the whole Cancer War Daredevil T-shirts as inspiration, and Matt can't see them because he can't mm-hmm. make out the details. Yeah, so. what's on those T-shirts? Yeah, it was cool. I liked it. Now, speaking of things that were cool that I liked, Thor: The God of Thunder thirteen. I knew I was going to be fine when I saw the title page, and it said the Great Niflheim Escape or the Svartalheim yeah. Massacre. You left an F out of that second word. Svartalfheim. Listen, Svartalfheim. You're lucky I got any of those words out. Um, I love those words. I do too. <laughs> Nephilim. This is the next art. This this arc, the accursed, which is, you know, not the movie tie-in, but it's bringing back the character from the movie, um, which should suck. But again, it, it's, it's It's more about the fact that now we have a different artist, Ron Garney, who is a, one of my favorite all-time um, artists, and I don't want to say Marvel artist, but he's always sort of doing Marvel books. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a great. I mean, he's not flashy. He doesn't blow you away, but I think he's a great storyteller, and I love the way he draws. He's uh, one of my favorite Thor artists for a really long time. Yeah, and he did this, Thor for a while, a while. Yeah, so we have Malekith. Is that how you say his name? Malekith. Yeah, Malekith, the accused, who or the accursed, is going to be the villain in the next Thor movie. This is coming out in November, so he is going to play a big part here, and he's he's scary. Yeah, he was featured in, in Simons and stuff, I think, that I don't... Right. Been, yes, he's so he's been in that prison for a long time, and he breaks out sometimes, or he projects it, out from the prison. He is a character that, that reeks of the 80s. Yeah. Is it it has, his, you know. In his design, but I don't care, because I thought it was written really well, and there was a world built around him that works, that doesn't feel uh, out of place. He's almost like a terrorist here. He's a, yes, he is. He's leading a rogue band of dark elves... Uh, yeah. against his own people, which Thor and his buddies have come to save. And uh, I, you know, like it, it's it's it was really fun again to watch Thor to go with the Warriors three or four, I guess. Now, I was just reading this going, that's some Thor right there, you know. <laughs> we and, great, and, and we got the great map at, at the back, and we're going to see all those different realms. I'm excited about that. And what's really know, good about this is that he's taken different elements. Like the first story, the you know the, the, the great God Bomb story was basically a real examination of Thor through the ages and. And then this one is it's more like Thor as a part of the team. 
was more of you know he's got the supporting cast, so it's really sort of a different aspect of Thor than the first one. So it doesn't feel stale. It doesn't feel like a retread of the first story. It feels like it's something different, but of course with the same great tone and dialogue that Jason Aaron brings to and the the, the coloring was consistent, mm-hmm. same colorist from before, and I think that that helped make the transition from from the other art. Uh, I even feel like some of the compositions, he's not necessarily aping Isad Ribic, but no. he, I think he's trying to make sure that it fits in with it's, the tone of what he was doing, yeah. but still in his own style. Yeah, I think it's consistent. Yeah. And and there's like, there's even that, I don't know if this comes from the colorist or not, but it's it's like the pencil-y feeling. Yeah, you can so see, you maybe, can see the art bleed through again. Maybe, was it inked? Let's see. There's that shot of Thor coming through the rainbow bridge with his hammer in the foreground. You can see the sort of pencil lines on the hammer. And on the on the on the first page, you can actually see the pencils on the on the panel borders. Yeah, it's um, a really nice looking book. Yep. Um, so yeah. I urge anyone who may have dropped off not wanting to see Issa Rubik to come back on for this because it's uh, it's got characters named like Scum Tongue and <laughs> you know crazy giant spiders and it's it's fun. He ironically has no tongue. <laughs> the uh, the thing is, you can really see how much fun Aaron's having writing this, and you can tell if you follow him on Twitter. He talks about it all the time. But just even in, in the in the way it's written, you can see this is a hell of a lot of fun to write. And now that he's got the Warriors three, like that's going to amp up the you know the comedic potential for this. So it's Thor's Thor's with Sif now, right? That's that's what's happening. Is that what he told Jane last issue? I don't know. I, don't think, I didn't think it was her, but maybe maybe aren't they like on again, off again? Well, in the last issue, wasn't he seeing that the shield? Oh, right. The shield right. could be a new, new, a new. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. We'll find out. Jotunheim tension. Jotunheim. <laughs> Muscle. What's the dwarf one? Uh, that's it's in the that's, right side. Is that a D or an O? It's a D. Nia Nidavellir. You sound like the midget from Twin Peaks. Niflheim. <laughs> Nothing beats Svartalfheim. <laughs> What's the autoparth? <laughs> Oh, that guy's just loving his life. Josh, how can people help the show? Go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, and you can find an easy way to link to uh, a place to buy lots of things where, where through little to no effort of your own, uh, you will be contributing to the upkeep, uh, the server space, the all the stuff that we need to keep this show a well-oiled running machine. So go there and buy. If you haven't, for the love of God, you go buy the first trade. Or or book or whatever collection is out from Jason Aaron's. Do they, they Marvel's good with those? Are those out yet? Do we yeah, know? there's a there's a collection of the there's a first part. There's gonna be two. Get get if you haven't read that, like go get that for for the love of the gods. Yeah. Again, that's ifibo.com slash Amazon. Just bookmark the when you click the Amazon, bookmark that as your Amazon link and just use that. And you know, if you buy lots of things, then we will favor you above the others. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Paul, you're a big rogue fan. Yeah, Flash, Flash twenty three point three, and I get there's going to be more title, please. Sorry, Flash twenty three point three, the Rogues. Is that what it's called? I don't have it in front of me. Rogues number one. Rogues number one. Yeah. Okay. And there's going to be more Rogues. There's going to be Rogues Rebellion is coming up. I don't know if that's a mini or something. I'm. Anyways, I love the Rogues. I was very conflicted when. They come out with new costumes and, um, you know, sort of younger and not as not as gruff, but also with powers. This makes an okay case for what they're doing with the rogues. I think I think they're they're. I think it's important that these guys have this weird code that doesn't really make sense. That like rogues don't kill and stuff like that. And 
Len Snart is still in the lead. He's way too good looking to be Len Snart, though. That's that's a problem. <laughs> like Len Snart should look like I don't know, like Stanley Tucci or something, like a Hagrid Stanley Tucci. I don't know. Did I say Hagrid? I meant Hagrid. The giant, so there's the giant Stanley. <laughs> He's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting magic to go with using Snart Stanley Tucci. Giant Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci is actually a great. You know, a guy named named Len Snart isn't going to look like a supermodel. He's going to look, he's going to look like Stanley Tucci. But I enjoyed this. I thought it was fun. And I think it was great, but I thought it was fun. Yeah, it's I, not. I I don't think it's one of the the best ones. It's it's. I don't think it's up there with what what Charles Soule was doing with the the Forever Evil issues we talked about previously. But um, I think it's 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 a fun one. And if you like the Rogues, um, you can get. All, I I love whenever it's it's not just about Flash versus the Rogues. It's about the Rogues in in the lead, um, in the pilot position and. Len Snart is hurting because he's made some big mistakes. Like he wanted to do this thing where they use this this kind of machine to turn their weapons into to give them superpowers, and it locked Mirror Master in the Mirror World, and uh, his sister uh, was put into a coma, and now she does like these astral projections. But um, she pulled Mirror Master out of the Mirror World in this, and now she's in a vegetative state, I guess. So they they don't have contact with her anymore. I love these characters, even if they're a little bit watered down from what I'm used to and, and the characters I fell in love with and created Twitter accounts for. <laughs> it was a while ago. but Did either It you, really was. Wow. Do either yeah. of you guys read Zero, number one, from Image? Yes. I had meant to, but I didn't get to it. So tell me that I It was interesting. Mistake. I enjoyed it. It's um, Alice, Alice Cott's new book. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was really interesting about it was basically the entire book is part of the story. So the first page is the backside of the first, you know, the cover, and right. it goes to the back backside of the back cover, and then the the credits page is on the back cover. So there's no actual ads, nothing in it, but the book. It was interesting. It was about basically in the future, enhanced. Uh, you don't want to call them super soldiers because it has baggage, but basically enhanced soldiers, bio modified, bio modified soldiers, soldiers um, in in the Israeli Palestinian. CIA conflict. I mean, there's just all kinds of things going on here. And it's basically, I think, it, I think it was CIA, right, Paul? It was. Uh... If you if you guys would read my my eugenics uh, newsletter <laughs> that I send out, um, you'd know all about this stuff. Yay, and... Eugenics. Um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, basically there's a there's That's a the guy. Best laugh. I'm sorry. That's the best <laughs> laugh I've ever gotten out of Paul, and I am just floating on a cloud right now. Eugenics and you. Um, there's a guy. Eugenics. The agency. Y O U. From the agency, who's probably the CIA, who is tasked with with getting this uh, piece of tech out of this, uh, was it the Israeli soldier who's got the tech? In his yes, or the, the Hamas. I don't remember, but basically, there's a guy in the middle of a battle in Israel, and he's undercover, and he's got to get out before he's discovered. And it's like a long chase scene, basically. And it, it's got a little bit of espionage, a little bit of war stuff, a little bit of politics, a little bit of cybernetics. Yeah, and it's and it's framed by this, you know, he's older, it's twenty thirty something or something like that, and and he's talking to this kid who's behind him uh, with a gun to his head, and I think there's there's sort of a um, I, I think going to be a threat about like child soldiers and the like experiencing war from a very young age, which is something that not a lot of us are you know accustomed to, um, but that is that is a very real presence for a lot of people in different areas of the world, and you know how that affects your psyche. And um, I think what's cool, what's cool about this, I think there's going to be a lot of different artists that are jumping in and um, uh, visualizing all of this. And from this issue, I think he's he's playing the long game with this. Right. All together, 
it's going to tell a really interesting story. I don't entirely know what to make of it with the first one, but uh, Alaska Scott is always really interesting. It's definitely up your alley, Josh, in terms of... Uh, yeah, no, I, I admit matter. to. I was um, there on, on Michael Walsh art alone. Image keeps putting out really interesting books, which is cool. I think it's cool because it just shows like there's no... There's, there's no... Uh, we're not bereft of ideas or no. of sort of cool concepts that work in comics. And so and the image seems to be getting all of them and the only the only risk there is just flooding us with too much stuff right but uh i could have worse problems it was good though if you like that kind of thing i would say check it out so i've got it it's in my hand so speaking of the of the long game uh kinski number three caught up on this this is gabriel hardman's creator own book through monkey brain and uh great black and white gabriel hardman art he's taken his time on it so it looks wonderful and it's this you know I think you guys you, did. You guys read the first issue? No, I did. No? I'm, okay. I did, and I'm te- I'm terrible at keeping up with digital releases like sure. this. So I always don't remember. I know that's bad, but they don't. It's something that we're we're going to try to get used to and then cover more of in, in the future. Yeah. But um, with, with with Gabe attached, I was like, I, I'm really interested in and sure. that cover was really cute black Labrador puppy. I, and I really want to know what happens after the first issue, which I can do right now. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a really weird book. I have no idea where it's going, but I have complete confidence in the storyteller. So, and I'm and I'm captivated. It's so this guy basically sees this little this puppy and steals this dog. It's it's a, it's a, it's sort of a, a convoluted path to get there, but he steals this dog that he knows belongs to this little kid, but maybe not the most responsible parents, and it's getting in the way of his job. He's like it's this sort of traveling. Uh, salesman sort of and and he, he goes to he has to go to a bunch of different meetings around the country and he's always driving or, or in a plane and this dog is and and his his weird sort of creepy obsession about keeping this dog and hiding the fact that he stole this dog is is getting in the way of of his of his everyday life and people are looking at him like what's what's going on with you man and then and he he they're they're at a they're going to take the dog back to the owners in this issue and they have to stop because there's a lot of traffic and they they you know get off the off ramp and they're, they're in LA I assume yeah and they're and yeah and so there's a bunch of RVs and stuff and so they so they get off and and uh at this truck stop and they're going to let the dog walk around and the dog gets away and is running up these hills and then I think in you know in the final uh, page is is running off into sort of like a a trailer park what it looks like um, or some kind of uh, caravan. There's a bunch of RVs and where is this dog? And now they have to find Jesus. it. And and it's it's it, the 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 real hook was in that first issue where he says no, it's my dog. Like it's just this sudden twisted taxi driver kind of turn for this character. And you're like, what's going on with this guy? Like, and he says he never had a dog before, but there's something about this dog that he's he's attached to it and wants to take care of it and I don't know I, I don't know mine. where it's going but <laughs> I could borrow one of one of my five crazy dogs that would be okay would be helpful actually you're up to five you I'm not like a, you have like a pan flute or something what's going on over there <laughs> do you have a pen for them do you keep them in a room what happens they're all in different places they don't get along so well, I love the idea that you have like a prison. <laughs> like you have to this one's in A block this one's in C block the it's sort of how it is and like the, and you have to like rotate them so you don't go out in the yard and everything yeah it's like I hate that dog's pee and I can smell it I, where is he so like, it's like prison they would shank each other Josh the bounce <laughs> yeah the bounce number five now at first this was a 
it was a Spider-Man who smoked pot. Right. That was sort of the first issue. That was your hook. And as we keep going into this, it's a bigger mystery of what is going on in this world where this stoner who basically try, start, tried up out for a medical trial ends up with powers and he's just trying to figure out there's something going on. All these other people are showing up who have superpowers and this is unusual in this world. And it gets really trippy and metaphysical. It starts to feel more like, like the Manhattan Projects at a certain point. It's mm-hmm. odd and I don't know what to make of it, but I find it interesting. and It's gotten more interesting uh, as we go on. And this is... It's classic Joe Casey stuff. Like it's one of those things. Like if you were like into, I hate to keep bringing this up because he's done so much since then. But if you like, you were into like Wildcats or something like that. This has he's got that tone. It's it's a modern, intelligent superhero stuff that isn't not big two stuff. Obviously, I'm still at the point to be like, I like this and it's very good, but it's really interesting and I'm I'm very engaged. It, but at the same time, the other side of that coin is that he's still doing sex, which is really interesting and I really like it a lot. Uh, this, I still can't put my finger on this, but it's more than it seemed at first. And it's right on the precipice of going too far out there and losing its thread or grabbing it and pulling it back in and being something really cool. And that's the point I'm at right now. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? That, right. that point in the comic where it can, it can go either way. Uh, and it's just towing the line, which is a really fun place to hang out. That was very vague, that whole review. But that's because I'm not entirely sure what's happening. <laughs> Paul, I've given in to infinity. I've just decided this is the way it is. Oh, yeah? I'm yeah, not okay. going to know everything. I'm not going to be real super engaged in what's happening or the characters. But uh, it's a darn pretty book. I didn't expect two issues of Joe Opinion in a row. So I'm along for the ride, even if the ride isn't completely engaging me in a, I think, any kind of emotional level. Okay. Well, between, between uh, Laniel Yu and Jerome Pena, I kind of really love those wide shots of sort of space opera battles Mm -hmm. like i there there is a sort of star wars fantasy quality to the spaceships and to those into the headgear that they're wearing like all of the tech there's there's a there's a level of of the fantastic to all of that and i I really appreciate that right you're just reading infinity right yeah okay if if you uh if you're if you haven't read these yet, read New Avengers number ten first, then read Infinity number three, and all of those little panaways to sort of interesting things happening with characters. That's the stuff that's getting covered in Avengers and New Avengers, and to and to a lesser extent like Captain Marvel and and Avengers Assemble things like that. Um, that's where the real like human drama is going on. And I'm not going to say that it's like as character driven or anywhere near as character-driven as, like, the Battle of the Atom stuff, like, with Uncanny X-Men this week. Mm-hmm. Um, that continues to be really strong, and, you know, um, some might complain. Wonderful. Some might complain that it's, like, it's just a bunch of people talking, but what they're saying is really fascinating, and I think that there's a lot of verb happening just through dialogue. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of action being driven by choices being made and alliances and and breakups and things like that. So, but anyways, with... Within, and, I, and I like that these two events are, are happening at the same time. It, it's something different on either end of that. There's this big summer blockbuster thing with Infinity, and then there's something a little bit more human <laughs> over with the mutants with, with Battle of the Atom. Right. I'm really happy with that. I'm happy with both of them. I probably do prefer Battle of the Atom, but, um, but Infinity, I think I'd, I guess I like it the most out of, out of all of us. Yeah. Um, and certainly Ryan, but well, at least Ryan read it. Uh, Josh isn't even bothering, so 
I think you put Josh below Ryan. Yeah. Wait, wait. Well, I'm sorry. What? Exactly. So this, but this is this is cool. I mean, I, I and I like that it's it's all these alliances with the different um, alien races. The Kree have just sort of bowed out and said, "Listen, we we can't beat these guys." And and Ronan the Accuser is, you know, I'm a warrior and I want to fight to the death. But I like that scene a lot. That was really good. Yeah, I but I also have to go with my go with my empire and and follow with what they're doing and i'm gonna have to stand down and, and he's basically saying uh die well you guys like have, Good luck. have fun out there um i'm going home i do and, i do really like the idea that a guy like jerome opinion is drawing a giant um you know crossover event book you right. know it's it is it is not something you would expect normally uh, i mean obviously he's not doing the whole thing he can't but uh, mm. for right now it just it looks fantastic and we're we're looking for uh, Thanos's son. We're gonna say Thanos. 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 Uh, <laughs> Thanos's son is out there. I think he's in Iceland, and I, I think he most likes the of the warm waters. The yes. Yeah. So I think that's that's over in New Avengers. It's all the it's all the Illuminati stuff, and there's some really cool stuff with Doctor Strange going on bat like with this. Uh, he's been possessed by one of the um, one of Thanos's lieutenants, the the Black Maw. Ebony Maw. I'm oh, sorry. They have some cool names, but I, it, it, it is helpful that he has a dramatis personae in there so you can match all the faces to the names and stuff. And luckily, some of those characters are dying or, <laughs> or being pushed to the side. So the, the cast is getting a little smaller, a little bit more manageable. But I, I dig on this stuff. This is, and, I, and I like all the uh, sort of Game of Thronesiness to New Avengers with the war between Wakanda and Atlantis and um namor trying to just stab black panther in the back and it's uh it's cool cool all right well all those right. are the books of the week and one of the things we wanted to do is start introducing some more discussion topics and so one thing we found ourselves with is time to read which we didn't have before so i wanted to talk about and you guys can chime in as well if you want some of the trades i've been re- reading in the last week or so sort of catching up on stuff i've been meaning to read for a while Probably the most exciting for me was the final Northlanders trade, Northlanders number seven, the Icelandic trilogy, which capped off the 50-issue run of Northlanders from Brian Wood and Vertigo. This trade was both amazing, but made me sad there would be no more trades. Right. Because I think Northlanders was a book that was one of the better books being put out there that wasn't talked about a whole lot. Yeah, and I even, we didn't, I started reading the issues at the beginning and then I dropped off for a while and I came back. I think either, I don't know, I was at a better position you appreciated or or he really just kicked into gear but what, by the time I came back he was in the 20s or something like that and it just was good every single time and that last arc was it it was the family trilogy where the yeah yeah no, I, the family I, that goes from from they, they basically land in Iceland and it's was un- it Paul Paul Azaceta yeah yeah he uh he was fantastic. I think Declan Shalvey did part of that arc he and did the middle Declan, arc which wasn't as yeah. good he's he's certainly gotten better since then and, and then Danish uh, Zezel. Oh, yeah. That was all wrong. JJ. He was great, too. Um, The family through the years in Iceland was wonderful. I think one of the great things about Northlanders was that there wasn't so much a central story as it was just Brian Wood exploring the Viking idea, and you got to spend time with different families and see them through the years and go back to the beginning and start over. If you're if you're down with the flavor of it, uh, this this week's literally this week's uh, Conan was uh, Wood and Azaceta. Right. Uh, he's basically he's he's basically said, well, since I can't do Northlanders anymore, I'm gonna hire all those people to do this other barbarian book with me. So something to keep in mind. But no, you're absolutely right. That that run out uh, was just a great amazing. Batch of books. I would recommend Northlanders to anybody. It was a wonderful series, uh-huh. and he's gonna 
he posted on his blog recently that he's going to do another Northlanders-esque series, but he didn't give any more details than that or where it would be or what it would be about. But uh, he said, I he wonder could, if that's in terms of like the structure of it. Well, he like said he'd done a lot of research that he never got to tell stories about. Oh, okay. So I don't know if it's also going to be Vikings or he's going to use it and transfer it to a different kind it's of story. Really. But, but uh, he said he, there was a lot of left, a lot of Northlanders left on the table that he didn't get to use. Cool. So, I'd be I'd be all about that, and that's the thing with with Northlanders. You can pick up pretty much any trade. There, there's there's like one that's like a sequel to another one, but pretty much you could just pick up any of them. Yeah, they're yeah. stories. It's really really and good stuff. Yeah. I, I like that this segment is basically Connor catches up on comics we already read. Um, well, we can continue that with Manhattan Project. <laughs> I'm gonna have some of that too. Yeah, I read the first two Manhattan Projects trades. Now I'd read the first one before, but I reread reread it because right. it's been so long, and it's really great. I mean, duh, we talked about it before, but I think. Especially a story this dense with all these different characters and all the craziness that's happening in the background. Um, the second trade went off in places I had no idea it would go. Mostly because when you guys used to talk about it, I would just zone out so I wouldn't be spoiled. But um, <laughs> really, really, really great book. I mean, it's I'm really heartened that it's doing so well and that he's going to continue to get to tell the story. I just love the the just the totally black sense of humor. Yeah. I have, I have no uh, idea where it's going. <laughs> Which is none. great. I, I don't know what it is. And that, no. these are not complaints. Uh, also, I find that it's it's one of those books that, and I've I know I've said this, it's one of those books that, for whatever reason, it looks so good in print. Yeah. As opposed, like digital looks fine or whatever, but when it's printed, like those colors that are that that non glossy, just sort of, it's just so, it's a such so good looking. It's nice and nice, striking. Nice yeah, it is. It is. It's exactly that. Um, yeah. Finally, uh, I read the first two profit trades again. I'd read the first profit trade before, and I'd read the issues. But f- reading them back to back, I actually have some sort of vague notion of what the story is now. <laughs> having, really? Having reading them all together <laughs> and back to back, I have a much better understanding than I did in the, in the issues, and that's saying not a lot because I had zero understanding, and now I probably have a five to ten percent understanding of what's actually happening in the book. But there was. Text- in, in, I've sort of I've sort of lost the plot on that one in, read, in recent read the, months. Read but the collections. I'm really going help. to. But I, re- I remember distinctly having a thought, reading like I was in the middle of an issue, and I was like, even if I read this in trade, would I? Would it still? Would it make sense? Like, would it? Would it work? Would it hold together for me? Would it help at all? Yes. Like maybe I have to die, and then there'll <laughs> be some kind of revelation. Like I'll be floating into the light, and then I'll know. Like it'll come to me. Um, but I, uh, yeah. And now he's he's playing with like some crazy '90s stuff. He's got like other Liefeld things in there. Yeah, that's where I start to get worried. I mean, yeah. it was okay when they brought the head the helmet in, but um, I like that it's a strange little world that doesn't really play. I mean, obviously. He's got Bad Rock in there and and characters that, you know, if you – it wouldn't necessarily matter that, you know, they're from the Liefeld era if you didn't know. But uh, I worry that the more and more they come in, the, the more it will change the story. But so far it hasn't, at least in the first two trades. So I'm pretty happy about it. It was a really entertaining read all the way through. Mm-hmm. So it still remains weird but, but good. Um, uh, uh, I am also catching up on stuff. I'm catching up on the – I have the first two trades of Revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have those two. A- I haven't read them yet. A Rural Noir by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. Um, this is great. I read I read an issue and I found that it's it's from the middle of the second trade. I just That's randomly I was like, this is I'm gonna try this out. And um I I was like this this yeah, this is gonna be something for me. Going back to the beginning, this is this is great. This is a it's a great ensemble cast. Um I love that whole rural noir thing. We all love Justified. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of in that milieu. It's it's not exactly Twin Peaks, but and I'm not I'm not a huge Twin Peaks fan, 
it gets a little too surreal for me. This is just right. And it kind of reminds me of just, just in terms of meeting the characters and building up this world, it reminds me of like, not the earliest, but when they first started sort of forming that ensemble in BPRD. And it's not that it's, you know, a government agency or anything, no. but in meeting all of those characters and learning what they're like and learning all their tics and getting to care about them, I was like, I haven't felt this in a, in a while. And I realized that it was, it was from getting to know BPRD so many years ago. But um, this, this is terrific. I think, if, I think if you like like The Walking Dead or really what got else? That, that feel. Or like you know, even I, I Vertigo my, stuff. I put this in my top five books. That's when, mm-hmm. when, yeah, you, you did. When, when you did that, that's when I sought the trades out. Because I was like, okay, yeah. clearly something's going on here. It's, it's, a, it's, it's just a great story. And it's, it's, uh, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of characters, but it's simple. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it's really clearly told. There's something going on, but you get to know this handful of characters. You know who they are. Like, it's not one of those things where there's a bunch of characters and you can't keep them straight. You know, and it's, right. it's been coming out really regularly. And, you know, there's the, the girl who's the cop and there's her sister. And then and there's their dad who's the, who's the cop boss. Cop boss. That may not be. The sheriff. That may not be. What's, I couldn't remember if they were sheriff. Believe he's the sheriff. The Okay, so she's a deputy and he's a he's a sheriff. He should I guess. be just cop boss. She wants to be in the I'm, beginning. I know she wants to be a detective, and then he assigns. We say what this is about. It's so it's a small town, and there there's uh, revival day. So there's this one particular day where the people who died um, come back from the dead, and then they can't die anymore. They sort of have a healing factor, and it leads them to some some messed up stuff. But it's not as good as it might seem. And there's just, yeah, it's messed up. It's like Tim Seeley's definitely got a head for horror movies, but he's also really good at clearly laying out this road. And then uh, you know, I think Mike Norton is doing really, really great work. Um, like I said, like all those characters are just people. There's no superhero costumes, and I know who all of them are, and they have personalities. It's wonderful acting and storytelling. It's what one of the things he does best. I'd say it's like it's like Lock and Key meets Northern Exposure. That you so want to come up with that tagline for it. Yeah, you need to compare it to it. That's thing. that's how that's how I that's how I understand the world. That's a Josh. You need to do a book called Cop Boss. I think I, I think yeah. Then I get sued. Axe Cop Boss. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That, that's that's the next. So Paul, is that is that it for you this week? Uh, one, one more quick one. Talking trades. Uh, uh, this that's is awful. a just a graphic novel. This is a, it's just one volume. Peter Bergting, who wrote the Portent, a uh, Swedish writer and artist, and also he's a novelist. He's uh, written some Domovoy. fantasy novels. Yeah, Domovoy. And this is sort of it's it's sort of like <laughs> I'm going to do it again. It's uh, it's oh. like a Mike Mignola esque Puss in Boots. It's this well, story. I can't this, say I didn't expect you to say that. This young woman named Jenny who has this talking cat and this this family legacy. Her her grandmother may have killed this this ogre and gotten some magic out of that. And so there's these sort of gypsy like sort of like like romany sort of um little fairy folk guys and they're like right out of like in bruges like it's like they're they're very funny but they're also these like cold-hearted hitmen elf demon things and they're they're after her because their boss wants her to atone for her family's sins and it's it's very it's very swedish it's it's very um it's got that sensibility it's got like that that girl with the dragon tattoo kind of sensibility of the of that culture and of family heritage 
and it's it the art is beautiful it's uh he, the art he is does gorgeous. he does draw those those demons kind of like a like those Mignola eyes like they have those hellboy eyes that actually um, that one character actually looks like hellboy yeah and the color is mm-hmm. just is wonderfully like moody and then it surprises you like i'm looking at a page with with these houses at sort of like at dusk and it's it's like this blue sort of periwinkle and then this bright vibrant orange pouring out of the windows and um something very very ethereal about it he does great ghost stories and what i like about it is that you know i I said puss in boots it's kind of like that but it's one of those fairy tale things where it's not it's not direct. It's not like fables. It's it's pulling from lore, but then going in a completely original direction, um, and it's and it's lore that you might not be familiar with. So I would. I've, I would had, I've had this on my stack for a while. I'm a, I'm a little annoyed that I didn't read it. Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Yeah. Well, there you go. Those are some of the trades I've been reading lately. We'll bring this back every now and then when we have stuff to talk about once we read trades. I've got a whole giant stack that I'm finally getting to break into, which I'm pretty excited about. So, more to come. So let's uh, get to one. We we talked for a long time. Let's get to one quick audience question. Uh, Sean wrote in and asked, "What is the origin of Go Screw?" Hey, Go Screw. Hey. You know what? I've actually had a bunch of people ask me this, and I realized that I don't actually know. My first instinct is that it's something somebody said in Band of Brothers, but I it, it isn't. Was from, I thought it was from the the the, the letter. The World War II letter that the, the general wrote to. Back he to doesn't the say Go Screw though. He says nuts. Oh, that's right. Then where he did says, you get it but, from? I think I just said it one day in the context of that thing, and we've we've made it into our lexicon. I, I think, think other people say that. I don't think, yeah, no, I don't think we made it up, but I think that we conflated that it was a thing from basically like there's a there's a part in Band of Brothers where uh, the Allies are, sur- are surrounded and and the Germans send the general a letter. This really happened. It was yeah. uh, uh, um, in Bastogne, I think. Yep. And the, the Germans sent a letter to say, listen, you're surrounded on three sides. Uh, just give up now and you won't all be slaughtered or whatever. And then the general gives a speech and he's like, you know what I wrote back to him? Nuts. And he just wrote nuts on the letter and, <laughs> and sent it back to the German general, which is like this big badass. Wait, we're American moment. And me and Connor think that's really funny. And at some point we turned that nuts to go screw. Yeah, you're and, right. And, uh, and we've been using it ever since. And I, can, I plan to continue using it. This is great. Uh, it's very it's satisfying a, to say. Yeah, it's got and it's got a nice vintage quality to it. Do you even uh, think that came across to the Germans? What? Like no, nuts, they were just exclamation like, point. Like, what is that? Like, that's not one nuts? of our colloquialisms. <laughs> what, yeah. what is nuts? Say peanuts or what? <laughs> Don't know. We should should we shell them? Shell? Oh, shell, shell. Them. nuts. Yeah, snail <laughs> shell. <laughs> and they did. Um, yeah, so did. yeah, that's where it came from. So it came from nowhere. That's, like that's many things in the show, it came from our weird brains, and now it's never going away. Not that, uh, again, not that we made it up the phrase, but we started saying it for no good reason. So there you go. You can write us in at contact.ifanboy.com if you've got more questions about the weird things we say. In the meantime, Paul, we got a couple of shows coming up. Yes, we do. We're going to be talking about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the new show from the, uh, the fine people at Disney and Marvel. Yeah, Paul and I, Paul and I are going to do a special edition show about that probably the day after the show's there. Yeah, it's on Tuesday. So not something we're going to do every week. We're just going to talk about no, the pilot. Just want to talk about the pilot and what we think about where it's going. Yeah. And then sometime in the future, working to get our team together for Batman one a year one hundred uh, book explode discussion. So gives you some time to go out and grab the book. Maybe head on over to ifanboy.com. Uh, trying to, we're trying to a special guest for that show, and it's proving not problematic, but but more tricky than normal. So it's going to be a little bit of a delay on that one, but it's definitely happening. So. 
look forward it's to the actual it. pope yeah the actual pope. He's, <laughs> he's open to these things he's, he's a more open-minded pope so he's he's interested in what paul pope has to say because previous popes very rigid in what they think a batman book should be ratzinger was like no this is not my batman <laughs> Um, my Batman is Adam West Batman, and there's no other Batman. So that was a hard one. We couldn't get Ratzinger for any, any Batman discussions. He just wrote back nuts. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, if you're watching the Breaking Bad, I'm still talking about that over on Fuzzy Typewriter. Go into fuzzytypewriter.com or type that into iTunes. And uh, every week, every Monday, talking about, and there's two, only two more. But I'm excited that they're 75 minutes each. Are you going to retire the show after Breaking Bad ends? No, we're going to talk about other stuff. Okay. You can go to ifanboy.com to come on this show to find out all about the other podcasts, like Paul just mentioned. You can find them all at ifanboy.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash ifanboy, and at Facebook at facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com, and if we don't keep talking forever, we'll get to more of those. You can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, uh, with any comments, questions, concerns. I have a voicemail. It's a good voicemail, and we've kicked it about four weeks in a row now. We're going to use it soon. We'll get it. We'll get it next week. We're going to get to it, buddy. So don't you worry. You're writing your really good question. It's going to happen. Yeah. 888-FANBOYS. Listen, this was a long week that we are a bit discombobulated over, so we promise talk about- to be better next week. That's our promise to you. Well. The American people, and also the people of the world and the universe. Yeah. I, actually, my message actually goes screw. <laughs> Nuts. So that's it for this week's show. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Nuts! What is this nut? Whoa!